0: Welcome to Wholesale Change, the webcast and podcast from Distribution Strategy Group, where we provide thought leadership for wholesale change agents like you. Because if you're on this call, you probably are a wholesale change agent. My name is Ian Heller. I'll be your co-host today, along with the dashing and daring doctor of distribution, my business partner, Jonathan Bein, Ph.D. How are you today, Jonathan?
1: I'm well, Ian, but I'm working with the unsinkable Ian Heller, so that's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, well, I don't feel too unsinkable today. I'm uh, I'm struggling a little bit, got the the COVID thing going, so this is probably be the last thing I do today, which will still make this day more productive than average. <laughs> okay. uh, so we have an interesting show today. We're going to talk about uh, Watsco uh, Motion Industries, which is a division of GPC, the Home Depot, Henry Schein, and we added Office Depot thanks to some things they did earlier uh, in the week. So you ready to jump in and have some fun here, Jonathan? Let's go, man. Awesome. Okay. So first, I should tell you that Wholesale Change is brought to you by Epicor. For nearly 50 years, Epicor has helped distributors stay ahead with flexible, powerful solutions designed to increase sales, streamline operations, and improve customer experience. Epicor's industry-leading distribution ERP solutions are built specifically to meet the unique needs of wholesalers with everything needed to grow your sales, profits, and productivity while distancing yourself from the competition Epicor is focused on the things that matter to you, work queues, PO variance queues, kitting assembly and production orders, advanced inventory forecasting, VMI, and special project pricing. They build their software using industry best practices and 50 years of distribution experience. But Epicor solutions are far more than just tools for pick, pack, and ship. Fully cloud-based with a modern UI, Epicor offers complete robust e-commerce solutions, powerful BI and analytical tools, Modern API and EDI, value-added services, WMS, virtual assistance, and much more. You can learn more about how Epicor helps thousands of wholesalers succeed by visiting epicor.com. And boy, there is a theme of value-added services in today's roundup of companies, isn't there, Jonathan? Big time. Yeah. So let's jump in. Um, Oh, before we review the numbers, uh, information shared here is not intended to be a source of advice or financial analysis with respect to material presented. And uh, the information does not constitute investment advice. If you're basing your investment advice on this show, you probably should look for alternate sources. (laughs) Okay, so, uh, boy, Office Depot, what a week, huh? So, well, maybe over the last couple of weeks and and the last several months. So their earnings were not too impressive, right? I mean, they lost money and their sales were down like 9%, I think.
1: Yeah, and and their sort of net income over a multi-year period is kind of bounced around break-even. I mean, it's mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes slightly up, sometimes slightly below. So this is consistent with that pattern. But but th-
0: yes, they they are making some bold and daring moves, right? And you gotta give them credit. I mean, we talk about how there's disruption happening and you have to transform your strategy and this company right now is the poster child of doing that aggressively. So they've done all kinds of stuff. I just listed some things here that are recent. So they just hired Prentice Wilson. Now, that is a huge deal. Prentice is the guy that built Amazon Business, right? So he's now the Office Depot President of Digital Transformation. He was the VP and General Manager of Amazon Business. He's he's being repaired with Terry Leeper, who was the CTO of Amazon Business, who's not the CTO of Office Depot, both of these individuals report to the CEO uh, uh, of Office Depot, Jerry Smith. So those, you know, just look. Anybody could have gone out and tried to recruit these two, right? Now Terry, they recruited directly from Amazon Business. He went from CTO of Amazon Business to CTO of Office Depot. Prentice had a uh, was with a startup in the middle, um, but that is a big deal, and you, it makes you wonder why. Did somebody else try to recruit them and they just decided to go with Office Depot? I mean, were, were the were other distributors out there trying to recruit them? Because you would think the very best people to build a competitor to Amazon business are the people who build Amazon business, right?
1: I'm pretty confident that that both Prentice and Terry had a high class problem when it came to selection of where they wanted to work.
0: You you would imagine. I mean, we don't we don't know them other than by reputation, but yeah. man, I tell you, if you want to build an alternative marketplace, these are the people you hire.
1: know they know the blueprint right yeah and and i think as we look at office depot which as we mentioned is kind of bounced around break even off and on for 10-15 years there's a significant potential to transform the company right let's I mean we're not gonna go into depth into this today but one of the things that Ian and I have been working on recently is looking at the positioning of distribution businesses based on the requirements of the end customers. So we look at two dimensions. One is what are the logistic requirements? The other dimension is what are the sort of value added product service information requirements? The sector or the quadrant or the cell that Office Depot plays in is basically lower um, complexity logistic requirements and lower complexity value added service product information service requirements, right? And so, that's exactly where Amazon plays um, and they, they do it. Amazon business plays very well. So it's, it represents a very interesting um, competitive landscape. Um, if, if we, if we can assume that the, the new leadership is going to to, to make strong moves um, to serve that set of customers.
0: Yeah. I'm and look, I mean, you know, this is what you should do if you want to compete with, well, I mean, if you're in the office supplies business, you've probably had a lot of your revenue taken away by marketplaces already, um, and now they have decided at Office Depot apparently that they're going to fight back. And I really like these moves. I mean, look, I mean, anytime you're trying to build something this grand, it's a bit of a moonshot, right? So I'm not saying they'll succeed for sure, but man, you hire these two individuals, you're in a lot better position than most people are. um And then they just acquired BuyerQuest. Now, BuyerQuest is an e procurement platform. That has all kinds of e-procurement workflow and and uh, uh, capabilities and features that big customers want in an e-procurement platform. Well, one of the things Amazon Business is noted for is that it's got a lot of that stuff built in already. So by buying BuyerQuest, Office Depot is putting itself in a position to give a big head start to Terry as he builds out the platform and big head start to Prentice as they bring these capabilities to market. And you know, if th- this was a really interesting earnings call, I suggest you go back and read the transcript or listen to it. Um, and Jerry Smith said a whole bunch of interesting things. I, it was really hard to pick one quote for this page because he's, he said a lot of interesting things. Um, but you know they talk about how they really see this as more of a curated experience where it's not just a mishmash of, of, of 100,000 or a million third party sellers that there'll be some con- some management over the commodities. Now, I don't know. I mean, look, there's still a lot of Amazon business overlap in there, in my view, but they have a vision that they're executing towards. And, you know, adding buyer requests along with these two executives is a huge leap in the right direction, in my view, if you want to transform your office supplies business. Now, the other thing that happened is they just rejected about buyout offer from Staples. So, you know, Staples, this is their, what, second or third time trying to buy Yes. Office Depot. Um, and uh, so they rejected the offer, right? And what was interesting is Staples, the, the last time it got turned on for regulatory reasons, right? So again, the, I think it was the FTC said no way. And so Staples said, well, to manage that, we'll combine our retail operations with Office Depot and we'll spin out the business supplies division, the B2B division. And Office Depot had a very interesting response and they said, more or less hey you can buy the retail operations if you want but we're doubling down on the b2b you know or we'll joint venture with you on retail but the b2b is the part is the is the is the, the 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 crown jewels that we're not willing to give away
1: well i think i think what's also interesting is office depot's strategy relative to staples office depot has stores right right i mean you can go in there as a consumer customer or as a b2b customer they have stores so that's relevant when they look at, when we look at them against Staples, but also them against Amazon business,
0: right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we have a question from our good friend, Pete, and I should encourage questions. We'd love to hear from you during the show. We try to answer every question we can. So Pete is asking, do you see BuyerQuest as becoming a free product to their B2B customers with a full marketplace behind it? Great question. And that's how I see it. I think that's what they'll do. What do you think, Jonathan?
1: I, I don't have an informed opinion on this.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, they've got like, you know, BuyerQuest is already facilitating. It's billions. It was, I think, $50 in transactions or something. So, um, and and yet, you know, the BuyerQuest is not that big a company or expensive a company. So, I I think they can dial. They don't need BuyerQuest to exist on its own revenues as much as facilitate the growth of the marketplace. So, that's a great question. And I think, Pete, that uh, they will actually do exactly what you're saying. They'll make it an Amazon business-like offering. And everything else they're doing is Amazon business-like. My guess is uh, that'll be the same. Okay, uh, so they rejected the Staples buyout offer um, and and, and even sort of did, did this counter offer, which was interesting. And then they announced a strategic partnership with Microsoft. Now, this is also very interesting for a number of reasons. One is that basically Office Depot's marketplace will be offered through Microsoft Dynamics 365 ERP. That's the way I saw it. So if you install the ERP, you get the market. Now, you know, they're not saying that, I guess, explicitly, but that's what it sounded like in the in the press release about this. But also, if you're going to be a marketplace operator, you need artificial intelligence. <laughs> you need it for analytics. You need it for voice ordering. You need it for image ordering, et cetera. And Microsoft is one of the world's AI leaders, and they are getting crushed in the smart speaker market. I mean, you know, you, If you Google, is Cortana still around? That's their smart speaker. You get conflicting views. But, you know, you can't really succeed in the smart speaker market without a marketplace because shopping is a killer app for smart speakers. And so Microsoft really needs some partners to connect with. And at the same time, Office Depot needs access to a a worldwide or a, a global AI leader. I mean, what do we say about Amazon, Jonathan, it's a combination of a world-class merchant, a world-class logistics company, and a world-class technology company. That's what makes them so unique. That's right. So, uh, you know, Office Depot doesn't have the same scale as a merchant or as a logistics platform, but they're good at both. And But they did not have that technology component, and this relationship potentially gives them that, right?
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's a play where if you look at the low complexity logistic requirements, low complexity value add. This is a play where you just have to really outperform in in terms of operational excellence, right? Ease of doing business. Um, We've talked about the voice ordering um, adoption, what we think will happen, what we heard from end customers. This is a great sector for voice ordering, right? I mean, this you know you're sitting at your desk and you want to order something. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is a great sector for that. So I think there's a great potential for infusion. Of technology as part of a platform that creates competitive advantage for them.
0: So, uh, they also art- articulated a very clear B2B strategy. Again, you should go back and look at their um, earnings release information. It was very, very well done. Um, so, uh, and then they've changed the holding company name uh, from Office Depot to ODP. Um, and so, you know, I think if you want to go into multi vertical, um, if you want to go into multi-vertical distribution, getting office out of your name is probably, you know, just part one of the things that you do. So, um, okay. So, and Jerry ended with the with the statement: "We're excited about how these initiatives position us to positively disrupt the over eight trillion dollar B two B commerce market in the U S. of which today less than twenty percent is digitally enabled." So, it was it was it was that's, a, hell of a, a hell, hell of a life, right? what's that?
1: That's very tantalizing. That's yeah.
0: They've cut it out of a tough challenge for themselves, but mm-hmm. they have a clear vision and they're aggressively pursuing it and good for them. So that's why we threw Office Depot into the mix, is because after we'd already decided on the companies to look at for this show, Office Depot announced a lot of this stuff and we wanted to cover it. So,
1: and, um, and besides, we've got Home Depot, and so we didn't want the whole show to go to Poe.
0: <laughs> that's bad humor. Really
1: that's, bad. Sorry, that's
0: dad humor. Okay, Definitely. so now let's talk about Watsco. this This company's a machine. This company's a machine, yeah, this is a very, very well managed well-run company. And I listened to their earnings call um and they're very straight forward, straight talking executives. There's no weasel words, right? And uh, it was kind of impressive to me. And they have consistently grown over a long period of time. um they're they view themselves as an acquirer right but they view themselves as a really friendly acquirer because of their culture and you know i don't know if that's true but that's their point of view um and you know that's that seems to be their mission uh their profitability is relatively stable they had a really good year considering that it was a bad year in the economy they think that they picked up 17 points of market share in the fourth quarter and 10% in the over the year extraordinary yeah they have a bunch of, they're, they're really an e-commerce leader. And I think a lot of people don't know that, right? So, you know, the, the, they have been very aggressive in e-commerce. And we've kind of watched this from the sideline, right? But, you know, they said their e-commerce users went up 20% last year. Their mobile apps and weekly users went up 27%. They had 120,000 downloads last year. Um and, these, you know, this is not a consumer marketing company. So these are contractors, right? They, their e-commerce transactions went up 20% and they had 1.2 million online orders. Their e-commerce growth run rate is 33%. And so if that was all you saw, you'd say, wow, that's impressive, right?
1: Yeah, it's, it, but it's, it, to your point, Ian, it's definitely been a journey for them, right? We, we had a closer look at them about 10 years ago. Their net income was around two, two, two and a quarter percent so they've grown both operating income and net income significantly. The, the gross margins have stayed roughly the same over that time period, which means they've gotten significant efficiency between, you know, in, in their SG&A, so.
0: Yeah, and, and I think what's interesting also is that they're very focused on services. So mm-hmm. I, I did some research on these services. I don't think I understand them entirely, but they've, the two that they have talked about, talked about on the call were on-call AIR, and credit for comfort, and this apparently is a way that you can do digital proposals with customers and arrange digital financing for them. And so, you know, for so for their HVAC contractor customers, they can use these tools provided by Watsco to win deals, right? And so, you know, Jonathan, we've talked about how distributors need to get past the loading dock and delivering materials, and past the purchasing department, and get into the core operations of the customer. There's nothing more core to the customer than helping them win deals.
1: Absolutely. And this is, th- this is something that we've seen, again, in the HVAC space. Um, you know, Helping customers win deals is, is a significant value add. And for some reason, I mean, it's a, it's a little bit anecdotal, um, but I've seen you know, half a dozen or more companies in HVAC that are helping customers win deals.
0: Yeah, I will say that uh, in the call, one of the analysts asked about one of their equipment manufacturers, I think it was Goodman, selling direct. Like going around distrib- just being basically being their own distributor, and Watsco was aware of that, right? And they they understood it, and they they had some reasons to think that it wasn't a particular threat, and that they're in a better competitive position than anyone than ever. But you know, we do see this. We we see this in, in, in across verticals in distribution where manufacturers are selling direct.
1: That's right.
0: Um, and then uh, at, at one point, AJ I can't remember his last name. He was, I think he's the son of the CEO, he, who's an executive there. He said uh, we saw huge new customer growth, and at the same time, we're seeing all-time low attrition rates. And I think a lot of that is these electronic tools, right? And you know they, they've got some electronic digital connections.
1: I'm curious, Ian, with their acquisitions, are are they are they a house of brands or a branded house? In other words, are they are they integrating the brand into the Watsco, or are they, are they- Keeping the brand as as it was,
0: I don't know. I, I, it's a great question. It's a great question.
1: because that creates um it creates a real challenge. We've seen this with companies in the broad construction space of which HVAC is a part where they create a whole legacy of acquisitions where they haven't um integrated the brand, and it just creates n squared complexity from a marketing standpoint and probably many other aspects of the mm-hmm. business as well.
0: so. Yeah, it's a great question. I don't know. I'll have to I'll have to look. But, you know, they're a $5 billion player now, and they've been growing relentlessly for a long period of time. So, and you know, look at their market cap. Uh, so they're you know.
1: well rewarded for $5 billion of of revenue and um, 5% net income.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. So, anyway, it was impressive, and I like seeing these evaluated services here. Okay, next, uh, we'll look at GPC, of which Motion Industries is a part. Um, and so, uh, Motion Industries is a power transmission distributor. They break out their sales, so they're roughly two thirds automotive. That's Napa, right? And roughly one third industrial. That's Motion. It's not quite that clean, but that's as, as a proxy. That's a good way to talk about it. And so combined, they're a sixteen billion dollar company, and of which you know Motion was about five point seven uh, billion last year. And uh, you know, interestingly, by the way, GPC just repo- uh, promoted Will Stengel to president. So I worked. I knew Will a little bit at HD Supply. I didn't know him really well, but he's a bright guy, um, and uh, so. He'll, I'm sure, you know, have some tr- strategic insight for them. Um, and uh, oops, I got jumped ahead here. Sorry. Um, but uh, the uh, the story here really was that motion got crushed in the middle of the year, thanks to COVID, and then and then made somewhat of a comeback. And I think, um, you know, the, that probably is what is driving some of these initiatives, right? So I don't know how good motion is in e-commerce. Probably, you know, hey, it's nobody's fault that they didn't see the pandemic coming, right? But my guess is this first strategic initiative at the bottom of the page, this is that right out of their their earnings deck, omnichannel build-out accelerated e-commerce growth. That's probably there because my guess is they got caught short a little bit, like a lot of distributors did in terms of e-commerce capabilities during the downturn.
1: Yeah. Companies that were prepared really got rewarded for being prepared digitally in in the downturn. I mean, we saw that with with some of our customers. Um, It was actually key to to the success. But I would say more broadly that the sector is not strong. The PTMC sector is not strong on e-commerce relative to other sectors that we see. Part of it is that there's a lot of value add in what uh, these companies do. So if you think about the Right, you know, that, that whole space there, there's there's a big range of value add, and that lends itself less well to
0: digital commerce. It's a lot harder to be good at e-commerce here. Yeah, so it's it's just really hard. It, you have a lot of services, and they've got like like forty five or something service centers where they repair stuff and rebuild stuff around the country. And you know, <clears throat> they're just not in a they're not like selling they're not no they're not very granger like where it's packaged products that come off a shelf and go out common carrier. Um, but they're also, I like this one too, expanding their industrial services and solutions capabilities. You know how we feel about that. Uh, this is what all distributors should be doing. Um, MA to boost uh products and services offerings, so they're on the hunt to buy somebody. Um enhanced uh pricing and product category management. So that's good. You know, they I'm not sure who they're using, but they they uh have some kind of pricing going on, some you know, pricing excellence project going on there. Um, and product category management is another way to get. Uh, you know, better yield out of your, or or better profitability out of your products. Um, so I think you know, all in all, these are some sound initiatives. It was a rough year for Motion. It wasn't a disastrous year. They did pretty well um, overall in terms of you know profitability, but they did uh, they did you know take a little bit of a hit on the on the sales. You know, if you look at their segment profit, their profit wasn't down as much as their sales. I don't think. So, any other comments on Motion? Jonathan
1: no, I, th- I think the initiatives are are the right ones f- for, for them, and' I'd be curious to see where where they come out in twenty twenty one.
0: Okay. Henry shine, now, you're the one who really took the lead on this. You want to kind of walk us through this, Jonathan?
1: Yeah, absolutely fascinating business. So Henry shine is in the healthcare space. Um, you can see just revenue wise they did about just over ten billion in twenty twenty and they're they're getting a slight uptick each year from twenty eighteen to twenty twenty. Um, in in the top line, but these this is really the number one player in their sector. Uh, they sell both to dental, uh, so about sixty percent of their business is from the dental side of things. About thirty five percent of their business is is medical, meaning regular doctors and uh, clinics and so forth. But then, very interestingly, um, they list separately uh, tech value added services as five percent of the sales and in the earnings call the ceo henry bergman pointed out that that is a much higher profitability portion of their business um so you know one of the things that we talk about in on when we talk about these public companies and and other companies is who is vulnerable to disruption um i would argue that henry shine kind of is the disruptor in this sector because of what they're doing the range of things they sell is not just supplies or consumables. They're obviously selling capital equipment. So think, you know, dental chairs, um, imaging devices, all those sorts of things. They're selling supplies. They're selling software. They're selling practice management. They're selling collection. They're helping their customers drive demand. So, so they are really if you look at the value proposition that they that they describe improve the practice two words and then three words driving efficiency driving the productivity driving the profitability of the the medical practices that they're working in so the totality of 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 what they do is what's helping get that efficiency productivity and profitability i don't about i don't know about you but it seems like every time I go into my dentist's office, I've got good dentist, by the way, um, I see some new piece of technology in there. The technology in the space is evolving rapidly. And if you think about um, if you've ever had things that involve, uh, for example, uh, a tooth that needs to go to uh, tooth that needs to be formed in a laboratory, those kinds of things with 3D printing are actually now coming into the dental practices themselves. So, um so there's a lot more possibility for them to do technology infusion into these uh, dental and medical practices. In terms of their position globally, in like 31 countries, they are the number one global dental distributor. Um, they're number two in physician and alternate care, and at least in the US, and, and they've got over a million customers. So the key parts of their strategy are, um, they want to increase wallet share of the existing customer base. Now, obviously, you can either increase wallet share or market share or both. But when they say existing customer base, they're also looking at, given the high market share, increasing wallet share is what makes sense. I mean, they are in, you know, very high percentages of U.S. companies, north of 50% in um, both of their medical and, and dental sectors. So when you have that high market share as measured by The number, the the percentage of the customers that you have, wallet share becomes a big move. But they are doing things to increase market share essentially in adjacent segments. And that includes sort of getting into the evolving places that healthcare serves. So if you think about urgent care clinics, uh, retail, occupational healthcare settings, community health centers, dental service organizations, um, there, there's this broad set of customers that they can reach that are not through the traditional, through the traditional office, and those those additional segments are are evolving rapidly um, as things change in the healthcare land, landscape.
0: So, Pete has a question. I mean, they had a a gross margin collapse, right? They, they, their gross margins went down 320 basis points and. So their operating income was down, gosh, 40-something percent. I mean, that's pretty concerning. Do they say what drove that? Yeah, they like,
1: like what we see in industrial and construction, Pete. Um, there's the PPE into the mix as a result mm. of COVID, right? So the PPE, like 10 years ago, PPE would have would have increased margins today because everybody's selling it. At, if, if that's part of the mix, it decreased margins. And then if you think about just what happened with COVID, uh, dental practices got very, very quiet. In fact, in the earnings call, they mentioned that the, the dental practices are now up to 80% of pre-COVID, um, visits per day. Right. So that'll come back and it'll come back strong. Um, hopefully people's teeth don't get too bad in the meanwhile. Um, but, that was a real thing for them. So it was the mix. And then, um,
0: so they discounting then or
1: probably discounting to a certain extent. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but I, the other thing I would say, Pete, is that 2019, um, was kind of the exception in terms of net income for them. Um, they've historically been in the four to 5% range. So 2019 was kind of the outlier. Um, be curious to see with their new efficiencies whether they can get back up to that that kind of a, a net income number.
0: Yeah it's an interesting company, right? And they uh the they they really do I and mean, then they've got like a whole ERP basically for dental offices, right? And a whole suite of software services and that help you do marketing and everything else. So I mean it's really a really more, more than a distributor, they're really a partner for their dental offices. And they have it's, it's like you know, they have like ninety percent of dental offices in the country buy from them, or something like that. It's pretty incredible.
1: It's really incredible. I mean, I, I actually wonder at what point you know they they get regulatory pushback because <laughs> of the market share they have. Right. right? But if, again, I, I think I, I think a message for our listeners is that their focus on making their customers efficient, productive, and profitable. I mean, that's a really that's a really meritorious value proposition. Yeah. And it appears that the totality of what they do, they're actually able to deliver on that.
0: Pretty impressive. Yep. The Home Depot, man, this thing, this, this company's a juggernaut. I want to start with the quotes from Craig Munir, who's their CEO. Um, he said, It took us 19 years as a company to achieve the first 20 billion in total sales, and we outgrew that in this year alone. <laughs> they grew $21.9 billion last year. That was just their growth. My goodness. Right. So they, they did 132 billion dollars last year at a thirty-four percent gross margin. And <laughs> so they're roughly about a ten percent net income company. It's 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 unbelievable.
1: What a machine, right?
0: Yeah, and they're you know, and, and when when they're asked about their market focus, it's DIY, which is you know the stuff that we're all used to, that you go in and get home improvement stuff yourself and pro. That's you know. The contractor that I call after I screwed up myself. Um, and then the MRO space, this is interline brands and HD supply, which they bought. You know, that's our focus. That's what we're trying to get done, right? So they they grew 20% last year, and they grew their earnings 165 and percent. Normally you want your earnings to grow a little faster, but I don't, you know, maybe I'm not sure what they what the what the challenges were last year. Their digital sales were up. Eighty-six percent. Last I read, they were the fifth largest e-commerce uh, site in the United States. So Excellent. you know, I, I, you know, it's Amazon, then a huge drop off to Walmart, then a huge drop off to everybody else. But still, you know, there's you know, billions and millions of dollars of e-commerce, and sixty percent, sixty percent of those online orders were fulfilled, were fulfilled through their stores, which is them really leveraging their omni-channel capabilities, right? So they've got. Uh, they've got great online capabilities, and but each store has enough of, of a vast assortment that they don't have to fulfill everything from distribution centers. Um, but they're not a marketplace, right? I mean, they're a traditional merchandising operation. Um, but uh, you know, they, they just they just continue to grow at an unbelievable rate. Um, and, you know, I mean, they're, they're the benefit of a good housing market, et cetera, there, there are several questions about HD supply. From the analysts or quite a bit of dialogue about hd supply from the analysts and they they didn't really tip their hand too much about what their plans are other than this diy pro and mro space focus uh but clearly they're coming after mro but this is so that we talked about this earlier jonathan so this is really where i'd like to get your take and see if any of the audience has an opinion on this home depot through its acquisition of an online brands and hd supply is going after commercial MRO, what, what what we used to call on the carpet MRO when I was at Granger a million years ago, right? So it's on the concrete, which is industrial, on the carpet, which is commercial. And then that's exactly what Amazon business is going after. And that's exactly what Office Depot is going after. Nobody's trying to do a marketplace that I know of around industrial MRO, unless you count Zorro's uh, marketplace attempt, at the, the Granger division. So it's Everybody's circling the around this commercial MRO opportunity. I'm not seeing people, you know, outside entrants or disruptors pursuing the industrial opportunity. Why do you think that is? Well, maybe
1: it may be the inertia, the momentum they have in in the on the carpet. Um, that being said, you know they've got a very very sizable market cap at this point, and that mm-hmm. really really caught my attention. Um, were they to decide? that they wanted to move in that direction or, or the, the, you know, the, 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 the logically adjacent part of the industrial MRO um, they could easily make an acquisition to, to move into that space. If they decided to do that.
0: But nobody's doing it. So why is that? Ha- why, why not? What do you maybe, think is the,
1: maybe it's harder. It's harder. So if we look at the logistic complexity and the, Value add complexity, the, the requirements of industrial MRO are a little bit higher, um, require a little more sophistication or complexity than on the carpet.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's right. I, I just think, you know, the there's also a lot more competition. I mean, if you're on the, on the carpet, you're competing with Home Depot and Amazon. And if you're on the concrete, you're not. <laughs> that seems like there's some inherent goodness to, you know, avoiding that competition if you can do it. So it is more complex, you know. But you know, you've you're you've got you know these sharks in the in the water that you're competing with on the, on the on the on the on the on the carpet stuff that you don't have to face if you go into the industrial stuff. I mean, you still have some tough competitors like Granger and MSC and others, but they're not Amazon and Office Depot and so Home so Depot. You're
1: saying they're in a red ocean market.
0: Well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, so someone's at, just asked a question, do we know what percentage of, e, what's the, what's the percentage of sales through e-commerce at Home Depot? We we don't know. Um, I think it, they, they announced it because they talk about the percentage that is, uh, yeah, I, that, that number is out there. I don't know what it is, but they have announced how much they're doing online. If I remember correctly, the last number I saw from Home Depot was that they were doing $16 billion online. Okay. So my guess is they're closer to like twenty now. So this is just a rough estimate. So I would say my guess is about fifteen. So so Dwayne, my guess is about about fifteen percent of Home Depot's revenue is coming digitally. Uh, but the information is out there to verify that. But that's probably ballparkish correct. Okay. Um, so do you think anyone? I mean, if you were going to pick somebody to do an on the concrete marketplace, who would you pick to do it? Would it be Granger?
1: It would be somebody like Granger, Yes.
0: Okay. Yeah. Is that Zorro?
1: Could be Zorro. Um, could it be? Could it be McMaster? Um, I think somebody. I mean, for, first of all, it'd be somebody who's got to have some really strong digital capabilities. That's why when you mentioned so Granger, would be the first one I would think of. McMaster. Mm-hmm. Would
0: McMaster's the got fantastic digital capabilities too. I'm sorry. Who does McMaster? McMaster. Yeah, but they've the not been ever the kind of company to collaborate with others. Right. right. It's okay. just not been their culture, um, and so. Um, yeah, I just I f- it feels like that's an opportunity out there for someone to to go after the industrial stuff because there's a lot of of tail spend on industrial just like there is on commercial and you know you're not really going to get your power transmission and your bearings and your magnetic con- starters and stuff on Amazon Business I don't think um, it just it feels like there's an opportunity here mm-hmm. to Great. go after manufacturers for yeah. example
1: I-, I think it's a significant opportunity
0: Yeah. Okay, um, all right, uh, any other questions from our audience because we're about to wrap up here for the day. We did want to tell you about a couple of things that are coming up. Um, our next show is on Wednesday, March 17th, and uh, we're honored to have Michael Decada, who's the CEO of Lawson Products on the show. And the subject is Lawson Products Path to Differentiation. If you followed the Arc of Lawson since Mike Decata has been there, it's been very, very impressive, right? I mean, he's really done a nice job. a a fantastic job making that a very highly value added company that's truly differentiated from other distributors. And he's done it with this. If you know, Mike, he's just a gentleman and he's a first class leader and he's a servant leader and he's just relentlessly focused on making the company better uh, on an ongoing basis. So we really, you know, really encourage you to uh, join the show uh, on the 17th. And then on Tuesday, April 6th, we'll be doing our second Uh, of the year, we're doing seven white papers and webinars for the National Association of Wholesaler Distributors. And on April 6th, we'll be doing our uh, uh, releasing the paper and doing the webinar on how to develop your own marketplace strategy. And there are all kinds of marketplaces ranging from the big broad ones like you know about to the niche ones where basically distributors are just pulling their inventory. Uh, So we're gonna give you a lot of insights. We'll have a lot of uh, input from experts. Uh, So I hope you can join us for those events. Our contact information is on the right. Jonathan, as always, it's been a delight working with you. You, Julian. All right. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Stay healthy out there. Take it from me. Wear your mask, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye now.